0: Hey, I'm excited to be here. I love God. I like to have a good time. Anybody else? Yeah. If you are into being bored at church, you are dismissed. Yeah. We're going to have a good time today. Can I get an amen in the back? Yeah. If I can't get a Pentecostal amen, I'll take a Baptist head nod. Yeah. I'll tell you right now, I'll take a Presbyterian eyebrow raise, a Latter-day Saint deep breath. I'll take whatever I can get. I said that for my friends. I have, I have some of my good friends here, some of my best friends in ministry. Mark and Lauren Evans are here from Australia. Yeah to Atlanta, Georgia, they now live in Franklin, Tennessee, and they're going to be starting a world-class church in Tennessee, and so if you have friends that have uh, have fled California um, and are looking for refuge in Tennessee, send them to the Evans family, they're great people right here, but I'm excited to be here with you today, I'm so honored that you would spend a Sunday with us, I believe that God is good, anybody else believe that? And my prayer today is that you would leave convinced that God is good, that God has a, a certain plan, a specific plan for your life, and that the coolest thing about life is you can live it with God. And it's going to be awesome. We started a series last week, as I mentioned with Joel, a uh, friend of God. And I've been thinking much lately about this. I believe all revival is to lead into friendship. Revival fades where people encounter God, but they don't continue walking with God. You can have an encounter, but an encounter will fizzle out if you do not develop a friendship. And I heard the Lord say so clearly, you are in a revival season as a church. But teach my people not just how to have an encounter, teach them how to have a lifelong friendship. You see, I believe friendship is reserved for those that fear God, those that honor God. I actually think that most Christians in America don't have a deep friendship because they don't know how to fear God. I love John Bevere's new book, The Awe of God. If you haven't read it yet, I'd encourage you to read it. It really tells us how the fear of God is not being scared of God. It's it's really being scared to live without God. It's actually being more concerned about offending God than it is about offending people. And in a day and age that we don't fear God, how do you know that America doesn't fear God? How do you know that California doesn't fear God? Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if you look across the landscape of America, we have anti-wisdom. We call it stupidity. Can I get an amen from somebody? Anybody else watching the same news I'm watching? Anybody else like, is this an SNL skit? (laughs) Am I getting punked? (laughs) I just feel like you watch watch national television today. I'm like, what is going on in America? It is anti-wisdom. And I'll tell you what it is, it is a lack, it's an absence of honoring God. But where God is honored, there is wisdom. The reverence of God is the beginning of great wisdom. Wisdom is the art of living life well. Most people don't live life well because they don't live with wisdom. Do you know that knowledge and wisdom are not synonymous? You can have a great education and have zero wisdom. And you can have no education and you can have lots of wisdom. Wisdom comes from God. Can I get an amen up on these tents? This is not my message. But I just felt like today I want you to know where God is esteemed, he gives wisdom. And I don't know about you, but I can speak for me. Joshua said it best. As for me and my house, I don't care how crazy California gets. I don't care what the government says we can and can't do. I'll tell you one thing we're not going to do. We're not shutting down again. I'll tell you that right now. I'll say that in the back. Amen. I'll tell you what, ask for me. We're to serve God. And we're gonna stand, and we're gonna, we're gonna do all, having done all, we're gonna stand, for. And so, uh, I'm excited. This is a crazy window of history. The Asbury Revival, the Jesus Revolution movie. Anybody see that movie yet? That's a good movie right there, right? 36 million dollars. They thought maybe you would do five million, and look what the Lord has done. And I don't know if you saw it, but it's pretty much a promo video for Baptized SoCal. I was like, thanks Hollywood, appreciate that. Saved us some money, our marketing budget. But uh, I'm excited for what God is doing. We are, I believe, in the beginning of a great California awakening. And you mark my words, I believe 20, 30 years from now, there will be Time Magazine articles that will recirculate about what God would do in our lifetimes. 13, who believes that God could do it again in California, man? God is not done with this state. And I believe one of the reasons prophetically why it's raining like it's never rained and snowing like it's never snowed is God wanted to remind us with the weather that he can change things quickly, that a dry drought desert landscape can turn into a beautiful green rolling hill oasis when God opens up the windows of heaven. And you mark my words, California, God is not done with this state. Yes. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, nor has it entered into the state of California, the great things that he has in store for his people. Now some of you saw it, no one be in a hurry to leave this state. I believe some people that have left are going to want to come back yes. when they see God turn the oven on. Can I get an amen? Yes. About the rise in this place. I'm fired up. Anybody else fired up? Yes. Anybody else? Two, two cappuccinos in today? Shondi. Hey, uh, if you're brand new to our church, we're gonna open up God's word right now. We are going to go to Genesis, which uh is just Genesis chapter five. If you don't know where Genesis is, we're gonna do a quick time of prayer at the end. Um but we'll go to Genesis first, and then we're gonna flip over to Hebrews and uh read just a few verses. I wanna talk to you about a guy that was a friend of God, kind of obscure passage. Not gonna get into any of the controversial aspects of, of, of the extracurricular biblical literature, but I do wanna talk about the, uh, the forefront of this guy. He actually lived between the flood and the fall. Kind of an interesting window. It'd be kind of a weird time to live, wouldn't it? That you were old enough to remember the creation of humanity, be seven generations from the first family. But yet, you're, you're really close. You're actually just a, t- a couple generations from the world being covered with water and God starting over with basically your great-great-grandkid. Yeah. And that's the story of this man. His name's Enoch. Yeah. Enoch, it says, just a few verses... He's got 54 words about him in the Old Testament. He's got 94 words written about him in the New Testament. But here's my conviction this morning is I believe this to be true about everyone in Orange County here today, everybody watching online. God the Father desires. He desires a few things about humanity. Number one, greatest message to the world, you can be saved. Number two, after you're saved, God can change your mind. He can make you his servant. And if you're a servant, you'll want to become his son. And after you're a son, like you, like me, if you raise your kids right, the reward of raising your children right is one day, you get to be friends. And I want to talk to you today about God's great goal to lead all of his kids into friendship. Are you ready to go? So we'll look at Enoch this morning, Genesis chapter five. If you're there, say I'm there few verses here Enoch verse 22 Enoch lived 65 years how many years and then he became a dad so he's from Orange County (laughs) tough crowd tough crowd just kidding (laughs) kid, just kidding Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah he 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 had he had he had a he had a child Methuselah and after he had Methuselah Enoch walked with God he didn't do it before he became a dad He did it after he became a dad. Some of you didn't have a desire to live for Jesus before you had kids. But you realize now as maybe your wife is pregnant or maybe you have your second child that maybe the greatest thing you give your kids is not a house or a car or a watch. It's a faith. And it says he had his son. And after he had his son, he walked with God 300 years. He had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, here's where it's crazy, and was not, for God took him. It's kind of a funny way to end your life. Enoch walked with God and was not. Not really proper English, but it's good theology. He was not, for God took him. Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith, It says, now by faith, the substance, we know this, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith. By what? By what? Come on, Orange County, one more time. By what? We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things that are seen, they're not made of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. Last two verses, important verses. By faith, Enoch was taken. He was taken. Say it with me, taken. Yeah. Liam Neeson. He was taken. Making sure you're still paying attention. He was taken away. So that he did not see death. Was not found because God had taken him. But before he was taken, here was his, my story. Here's his story. It says this, that he pleased, he pleased, pleased God. Pleased God. Say it one time with me. Pleased God. I want to talk to you today about pleased. Pleased. He pleased God. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For everybody that comes to God, must not, this isn't a maybe, Ver- jury's not out, we're not debating, we're not voting, not a democratic republic. He must believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek. I believe that God is found by those that want to find him. Today, let's pray. I believe that God is going to be, he's going to show us how to be his friends. I want to live a life that pleased, pleased, pleased. I want to talk about being, being one that pleased God. Is that all right? We're going to please God. Father, I pray today that you would meet with us, lead us, guide us, encounter us. Do what only you can do. We declare that we are in the midst of revival. But, Lord, I pray that it would not fizzle out because of a lack of depth, a lack of relationship, a lack of discipleship. I pray that you would make us, Lord, not only those that are saved, not only those that are servants, not only those that are sons and daughters. I pray that we would become your friends. We love you today in Jesus' name. And God's people said. I mention this often. I talk a lot about age because all of us have an age. It's kind of a common ground that we can all get on board with. I'm 39, so I was raised in the late 1900s. <laughs> it's a tough crowd, man. It's going to be a long day. It's so raised in the late 1900s. It's funny. I moved down here. We started this church when I was, uh, I think it was 35, 36. We moved here. 39 now. I was 35. And I remember I got down here, and it was interesting. Orange County, you guys are funny, because I got here. I ridden mountain bikes a couple of times, uh, but didn't realize it was a big deal until I moved to Orange County. Started talking to guys in our growth tracks. I would ask the question, what do you do for fun? About one out of four, one out of five guys said, I ride mountain bikes. So I thought, well, if I'm going to have a church with anybody in it, better start riding mountain bikes. So a gentleman in our church blessed me with this nice mountain bike. I started riding. And it's funny. I I thought about this. I've ridden with young guys. I've ridden with older guys. And I've become a student of both worlds. And I've noticed that uh, your interests change. Your desires change with age. For instance, when I ride with younger guys, no one cares about any of the scenery. It's about getting to the bottom as fast as you can. It's about not dying and getting there fast. That's pretty much all young guys wanna do. They say, I'll see you at the bottom. I ride with older guys and they're just, we get to the top of a trail, they hop off their bikes, they're looking around. They're like, come over here. You see that blue jay? It's a blue jay over there. I'm like, this guy's, he's taking the, you see that roadrunner? Did you see those beautiful daffodils on the trail? I'm like, no, I was just trying to stay alive. It's flying down. It's weird, the older you get, you pick up hobbies. Some hobbies you're not even planning on getting. Like, I never knew I was going to get into carpet cleaning. But we bought a dog. Turns out I'm pretty good at it. This dog, pretty much, his goal for six months of his life was to devalue our house. Try to uproot and destroy any furniture that had any value. But I found myself, I bought a a, a carpet cleaner, a, a, a upholstery cleaner, and I got pretty good at it. I'm like, man, I had no idea when I was in my 20s that i get good at carpet cleaning. It's a new hobby, you know? It's funny, though. They say that dogs are man's best friends. And I kind of get that. Kind of. I would say I like dogs more than cats. Anybody else agree with that? I'm not trying to be controversial, but black cats are satanic. They trace their origins back to uh, Philadelphia Eagles fans. And, uh, I'm, kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, kidding guys. Just kidding. I'm kidding. I, uh... On a serious note, though, I was thinking about this. You know, I think dogs, they say they're man's best friend, and you know, you select animals and they become this companion. You know, oftentimes we, we choose. I, th- I thought this was kind of simple thought, simple thought, but just go with me today. I thought this is interesting that we choose as human beings, you don't choose family. Right. Yeah. We know this. Yeah. We know this. Yeah. We know that we don't choose our families. Because yeah. in every family, there's that one weird family member. Yeah. And if you don't have a weird family member in your family, I'm not gonna say anything, but just everyone's got one. And I found that the only human being that ever lived that had the opportunity to select everybody in their family. Now, I don't know about you, if I'm choosing family for myself, I want like Brad Pitt's genetics. I wanna look like Brad Pitt, but I want him to be connected to Warren Buffett somehow. Are you hearing me today? Like, I would just go crazy, but I'd want him to be like LeBron James in height and athleticism. And I would just like, I would, I would literally, I would stack the genetics in my favor. It's interesting that Jesus is the only human being that had the opportunity to select his family. Here's what we know about the difference between family and friends. Family, you do not choose. Friends, you do. You don't choose family. Family chooses you. But we do select our friends. And we, we choose our pets. We choose, our, we choose the people that we choose to hang out with, spend time with. I've been thinking about this over and over again this whole week, and I felt the heart of God in this. There is family that I'm related to that I'm not friends with. I love them because they're my family, but everybody has some family that you're not friends with. And there's other people that you're friends with that you're not family with. The major difference between friends and family is that you have the option, you have the choosing ability to say, I love your company. There is something when I'm around you that gratifies and satisfies me. When I was growing up, I had all types of friends. I had friends that I played video games with that I would never play basketball with. I had friends that I would snowboard with that I would never want any type of math tutoring from. Are you hearing me today? I had my smart friends. I had my athletic friends. That's an insult to all the athletes in the room. I apologize. <laughs> Just realize that. This guy's going to get beat up after this service. I realize this, that you have all these genres of friends. It's crazy. They say it's not what you know. They say it's it's who you know. And the older I get, the more I realize I think that's true. You want to get something done, it's like, man, do you know somebody that can help you get that accomplished? And I would go on the record to say that it's not what you know in this life, it's who you know in this life. And when you end this life, it's going to be especially true it wasn't what you knew in life, it was who you knew in this life. Many people miss out on the joy because they know God as an ancient relic but not as an intimate friend. God says to Enoch that he says these few phrases, that he pleased, that he pleased. What is his testimony? That he pleased God. And he was not, for God took him. He had a testimony of pleasing God. And it goes on, Hebrews says, for it's impossible to please God without faith. For he who comes to God must believe that God is. And that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Do you know that Christianity has the only claims of a deity and a God that wants to reward? Most deities want to judge. They want to punish they're looking for an excuse to get angry. But Jesus Christ comes on the scene even before him. We have Abraham in Genesis 15, and God introduces him to Abraham, and he says, hey, Abraham, good, good, good day ahead, of buddy. Uh, Abe, I'm your shield. I am your exceedingly great reward. God introduces him. Yahweh introduces himself to creation, not as some distant god, It says Abraham was a friend of God. It says Moses was a friend of God. And it says Enoch, between the flood and the fall, he walked with God. Very simple testimony if you're reading a story. He's only found in three parts of the Bible. It's Genesis 5. He's found in Hebrews 11. And there's one more verse put up on the screens in Jude, uh, verse 1, chapter 1, it's it's, uh, chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. Here's what it says about this guy Enoch that walked with God. Now, Enoch, the seventh generation from Adam. Why does does Jude want the record to stay? He wants you to know which Enoch we're talking about. I believe there's a reason why. Because there was another Enoch around the same time period. He was a son of Cain. Cain killed his brother Abel. Cain was banished. Cain's, listen to me, the punishment of disobeying God is he went to the land of Nod. Nod means wander. Some of you have been wandering, and it's a punishment of disobeying the voice of God. I believe that whenever we dishonor the voice and the spirit of God, you will send yourself on a self-destructive journey of wandering. You'll spend 40 years on a journey that should take 12 days. Wandering. Here's what we know is that, that Cain, he's sentenced to Wandering. He has a child named Enoch. Enoch is named, he actually, he names a city after his son Enoch. Let's say this way. Enoch, the son of Cain, had earthly prestige, a big title. He had a city named after him, a block named after him, monuments named after him. But Jude says, make no mistake about it. If you want to hear about a great Enoch, I'm not talking about the one that got glory on earth. I'm talking about the guy that was a friend of God yeah. that all of eternity celebrates. Yeah. Seventh generation from Adam. Yeah. What does it say about this guy? Well, he was a prophet. He says that he was a seventh, he prophesied about wicked men. Jude talks about these, these men of corrupt minds. They exchanged it's kind of like Romans chapter one, the image of God in their own image. They're, 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 they're depraved, their mind is corrupt, they're morally bankrupt. And he said he prophesied about these men saying, behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment on all. Say with me, all. all. Now, if you want to make friends, talk like this. Yeah. Yeah. To convict all those who are ungodly among them, all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now, this is not like church growth 101 messages. I don't know if you ever realized that Jesus wasn't always into saying things that made everybody happy. You ever read that story in John 6? Revival's happening. They got so many people. Jesus is speaking for boats. 15,000 men and women are showing up. And when the crowd gets its biggest, he's like, hey, guys, you want to follow me? Eat my flesh, drink my blood. No explanation. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. And everyone's like, uh, expand? Could you expand on that a little bit? What does that mean? Jesus is like, no, nope. that's it. Peter's like, this is a, Jesus, we got, a, we got a great church going right now, okay? People love you. They love what's happening. They like the music. Are you hearing me? Like yeah. it's good. Like they ate the bread, the loaves. This is exciting, man. Yeah. But this whole teaching about like, you know, cannibalism, yeah. Yeah. it's throwing people off, says the crowds begin to leave them that day. John 6, 6, 6, that day, many people departed oh. because they heard something they didn't understand. Jesus looked at Peter. He's like, you guys leaving too? Uh Peter's like, we don't have a plan A or B. You're plan A, B, and C. This doesn't work out with you. We're just going to keep following you. He says, I know that you have the words of eternal life. That's crazy. John says this in John 13. He captures the words of Jesus. He says, greater love has anyone than this. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his Jesus laid down his life for his. Watch what it says here though. It says, "You are my friends if you do what I what I say." Other translations say what I command. You're my friends if you do what I say. And he goes on, he says this, "I no longer call you servants." This is a big deal because these 12 young guys in his youth group, they've been following Jesus for 3 years. For 3 years they've been Jesus' servants. Jesus served them, and they were serving Jesus. But in John 15, 15, he says, I no longer call you servants. Here's why. Because servants do not know what the master's business is. You know what the difference between a servant of God and a friend of God is? He says it. I've called you friends for everything I've learned from my father. I've made it known to you. Do you know that Lot was a servant of God, but Abraham was a friend? Lot was saved out of Sodom and Gomorrah, but God consulted with Abraham before he destroyed it. One was a servant of God, one was a friend of God. Paul on the, on the boat in Acts 27 and Acts 28, it says an angel of God came to him and told him, look, the boat's going to be destroyed, but guess what? Everything on the boat's going to go down, but no one on this ship is going to die. Paul knew what was going to happen before it happened because servants don't know a master's business, but the friends of God do. I could walk you through the Bible, and I could show you that many people only know God as a servant but not as a friend God's desire is to be friends with his kids but the problem is with parents if you make your kids your friends before you make them before you're their parents you'll end up raising their kids one of my mentors said if you spoil your kids you'll raise your grandkids but if you'll raise your kids you'll spoil your grandkids he said mark don't kill your kids better ones are coming they're called grandkids people don't realize that the reward of maturity and parenting and loving and discipling and disciplining is friendship. And in John 15, after three years, he goes, guys, I'm not calling you servants anymore because everything that was in the heart of the father, I've made it known to you. You're going to know what we're doing and why we're doing it. And when the crowds got this really ambiguous, eat my flesh and drink my blood, it was at the Last Supper that he says, Hey guys, pass the pass the drink, pass the bread, and he explains what eating my flesh and drinking my blood is. Yes. Yeah. Friends know the why. Yes. Yes. You hear me today? Yes. And you know what God's burning for? He's burning for friendship. Yes. But you'll never know God as a friend if you don't know him as your Lord. Yes. Most people don't realize it. It's a consecutive. Are you with me today still? Yes. What do you mean, Lord? I mean that if you don't say, God, my life is yours, save me. You'll never graduate to the burning bush when God says, take your shoes off. Do you know why God told Moses to take his shoes off? Because servants don't wear shoes. And you will never be God's son or daughter in your calling until you're humble enough to be God's servant. Moses would be a friend of God. But before he graduated to friendship, he had to have a revelation of servanthood. Take your shoes off, buddy. He took his shoes off, and the voice of God spoke to him, and it called him. I'm going to raise you up. You're going to lead people out of bondage. You're going to bring them into the promised land. I'm going to be your friend, and you're going to show the world how to be friends with me. But he started off with salvation, encounter, servanthood. And after he had his encounter, and he was humble enough to take his shoes off, he could put his shoes back on. And when his shoes put back on, what does we know about the prodigal son? When he came back, he had no shoes on. They said, bring out his sandals. What was he doing? He was reinstating that he's my son. When we're humble enough to take our shoes off, God will anoint us to put shoes on. You don't walk in the authority of God's sons until you're humble enough to be God's servants. Sorry, I'll say amen to myself that I know it's not popular preaching. We got a bunch of people that are army crawling into heaven just trying to be saved. God says there's something greater than being saved. It's being my servant. Being a bond servant of Jesus Christ. So Paul said he was. But I'll tell you that if you walk with God and you'll be a servant, he'll say, no, no, you're more than my servant. Get in here. I saw you while you were a great ways off. I'll run towards you even when patriarchs do not run because it's irreverent and it's not honorable in their culture. My love will do things that are ridiculous. It's like the story of Job. Job's story is so crazy that he lost everything and God gave him double in the end. You know what Job does at the end of his life? He does God's stuff. He was exceedingly generous with people that no one else was generous with. You know what Job does that's unusual, that's an anomaly? He left an inheritance to his two daughters. You didn't do that in the Middle Eastern world. But you know what happens when you're a friend of God? You'll start acting like God acts. Job got so close to God. Someone came up on the keys. I'm almost done. Job got so close to God that he started acting like him. He started giving things to people that no one else would give things to. He started honoring people that no one in culture would honor. This is what's interesting then it happens when you when you start walking with God It's wild that you, uh, you have this epiphany that, man, I, I just want to please him. Really, if you boil Enoch's life down, there's three categories of it. He had a real relationship with God. Here's the phrase, he walked, are you still with me today? Enoch walked with God. That sounds simple, but, uh, it's actually pretty tricky. You know why it's tricky? Because it's hard to walk with someone you can't see. Do you know it takes intentionality yes. to actually invite God into your decision-making process when you can't physically see him? Yes. Enoch, for 300 years, I think it's intriguing that he didn't start walking with God until he looked down for the first time and saw his child. It wasn't until he saw his baby boy that he realized how God could love him. Wow. I'll be honest, most people don't realize until you have a kid what it could feel like to love somebody beyond anything that you ever comprehended. I remember I love, I just love kids. I've always liked kids. Love my little sister. I, I remember I kind of helped raise my little sister and then my brother, He. Uh, him and his wife had their first child, my first niece. I was so excited because my niece, when she was born, I'm like, man, I love everybody's kids, but this niece, she kind of looks like me. <laughs> and I was a little bit too happy about that. And I felt like, man, this little girl, Jalen, I love her more than all the other babies, because she kind of looks like me. And it was wild that there was like everybody else's kids, and then there was my niece. And it was weird that when I had my first daughter, Kenzie, I looked down at her, and I'm like, everybody else's kids, my niece, and then my daughter was like somewhere up here. And I didn't know how that was possible, because I love my niece, I love everybody else's kids. I didn't know my heart could love that well. Enoch looked down at Methuselah and he's like, man, you're a special kid. Maybe if I love you this much, maybe the one that made me loves me that much. And he starts walking with God at 65 years old. I felt like the Lord told me last night, there's gonna be a 65 year old, 64 year old, 66 year old, that you've never walked with God. And today, you're going to have this epiphany. this yes. ethereal moment that God is what He says He is. Yes. And if you could love your kids and grandkids the way that you do, imagine how God would love you if He's perfect. Yes. Still with me today? Yes. Almost finished. So, Enoch has a real relationship. Yes. And then after the re- relationship, he walks with him. And you can interchange walking with God with having faith in God. Yes. I want you to know that it's, it's hard to ever connect with God if you don't have a moment in your life that says, God, I want to believe that you're there. You know, I actually studied all the attributes of men and women that walk with God. It's a seven cycle phase. You want to know this? It's a connection with God, a conversation with God, it's an instruction from God, it's an obedience by us, and after we obey His voice, we get a revelation. And when you get a revelation, it'll lead you to worship. And when you worship, the cycle starts over again. That was like a really powerful, theologically demanding revelation that I came to that I just share with you in like 20 seconds. That was a lot of work to get those six points. Can I share it to you again? Do you know what friendship looks like? It looks like a moment that you say, God, I want faith to connect with you. Some of you are atheists, not because God's not real, but because life has been pretty bad. Some of you are atheists, not because of academic reasons, but because really of a reactionary emotional hurt. Yes. I've heard it said that most people are at, are atheists, uh, kind of like, what's the phrase? Let me, I don't want to butcher this. I'll, I'll say that wrong and offend the whole room. <laughs> Let me read it. That's safer. Is that okay? Yes. Most atheists can't find God for the same reason criminals can't find cops they're not looking for them. The Bible says very clearly that I will be found by all, by any that call on my name. If you look, here's the problem. Some of you have read the Bible to disprove it. Some of you have read the Bible to argue why you don't believe in God and that's why you miss God. I would tell you that prayer isn't prayer until there is belief that God is there. It's almost like having a 90-inch television. Who cares if there's no power in your house? Do you know what turns the TV on? Electricity. Do you know what turns the Bible on? Belief. Do you know what turns the relationship of God on in your heart? Faith. Faith is going, I know I can't see you, but I believe you're there. And it's wild. You start praying, God starts answering. And all these weird coincidences. Well, that was weird. I asked God for a friend and I met Bob. That's weird. I asked God for a raise and then I got a raise. That's weird. I asked God for a great church and I, I went to this amazing place. Incredible place. Unusually awesome individuals. Incredible. Pa- <laughs> he heard my prayer. I'm joking, joking, joking. Sorry for having a sense of humor. I just... I had this conviction that Enoch walked with God because he had a real relationship. And I want to be very clear with you. There is a reward for walking with God. And I want to tell you what it is. You know what the reward is? You get like a jet, Bentley, house in Orange County. The reward of walking with God is friendship. It's friendship. God, listen, God is the reward. And when you realize, like Moses, Moses was a friend of God. You know what Moses realized? He's like, what in the world? What good is a stupid promised land if you don't go with us? I would rather camp, keep my membership to REI for another 40 years unless you go with us. What good is promises if I don't have the heart of the promiser? I'm telling you, we're so like, God, give me money, give me fame, give me accolades, give me this, give me the girlfriend, give me a wife, give me a husband, give me kids, give me this. You're so busy asking God for what he gives that we miss out like, do you're the gift. Most Christians, they exchange the presence of God for the presence of of God. Don't sell yourself short. I just want the gift of salvation. Don't sell yourself short. I just want to be forgiven of my sins. Don't sell yourself short. I just want to be God's servant. Don't sell yourself short. I just want to be God's kid. Don't sell yourself short. Kids that mature with their father, they walk in friendship. How do you know if you're God's friend? Well, we know it. John fifteen fifteen 15 says, friends, they know what God is doing in the earth servants don't your employees they just do what you tell them to do but your kids when they take over your family business they know the why behind what you're doing so many Christians in America they're just they're just like I just want to go to heaven I don't want to go to hell I just want to like I want to know enough of God to not go to hell I want enough of heaven to make it off of earth but we don't we don't have this like desire that I want to be like Moses, I want to be like Abraham, I want to be like Enoch, I want to walk with God. There is a reward, but I'll tell you right now, there is a risk. See what the risk? It's going to get quiet up in the Presbyterian Church just for a second. There is a risk. Jude says that he wasn't scared to be a prophet. He wasn't scared in a culturally imp- popular moment, uh, unpopular moment. To tell a generation, guys, if you don't get right with God, there's some dark stuff that's ahead. And I'll be very honest with you, preachers don't like to get up and say, hey, hell's a real place. You might offend somebody. Well, Martin Luther said there was more hell behind the pulpit, there'd be a lot less hell behind the pew. So I'm not trying to be weird and scare you. I don't believe it's scare tactics that lead people into relationship with God. It says it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. So I'm not telling you hell's real, be scared, turn to God. I'm telling you that hell is real, but you can be God's friend. We're not living to dodge hell. We're living to soar with God. I don't want an army crawl into the back door of heaven. Snuck in, man, barely made it. It's like, man, I had so much of Sodom and Gomorrah, Babylon, but I kind of barely made it in. I don't want to get to heaven that way. I want to come in and they're like, Hey, this is the guy. Well done. Good. Faithful. Servant. Son. Friend. You've been faithful with little. I'm going to entrust you with much. Most people don't realize that it's risky. I've been studying church history the last 200 years. And I found that the denominations that unhitch from the truth of God's Word, and they start cutting and pasting what's God's Word and what's not God's Word. That book shouldn't be in the Bible. That book should be in the Bible. I don't really believe that all that all the Bible is, like, inspired. And I think they're just normal guys, just like me and you, and they were human beings, but they were divinely inspired to write this book. And I'll be very honest with you. Every people group spiritually that unhooks, From the truth and the infallibility of this book, they've all shipwrecked. We have entire denominations in Europe, even in America, that have beautiful buildings that are empty and they can't afford them anymore. Because they say there's no right, there's no wrong, there's no truth. God isn't for this, God isn't for that. And we want to please people more than we want to please God. And I'll be very honest with you, if you want to be a friend of God, you have to be willing to say, God, if I have to choose, between offending you and offending society. I would rather offend society. And I'm just being honest, I mean you can't hardly say anything nowadays without offending somebody. I'm sure I probably offended 14 people in here already today. Why are you wearing that suede jacket? Don't worry about it. My eyes are up here. <laughs> offended about everything. You a biker? No. I'm a preacher. Might fall. Need it. It's leather. Too many people they're all bent sideways over goofy things. Listen to me, Ocean's Church today. We are gonna be friends of God. And I'll be honest, it's risky. And I've seen these denominations fall apart because they unhitch from the truth of God's word. I believe in this book. I heard G.K. Chesterton said it best. He says, "Those those who marry the spirit of the age will become widows in the next. Jesus said that he loved the world, but he also said, do not love the systems of the world. He says, those that are friends of the world are enemies of God. What are you saying? I thought you wanted us to love the world. He says, I I so love the world that I gave my only son. But listen to me, you can love the world without loving the systems of the world, the cultures of the world. You can love the person that's in the darkness but not love the darkness that they're in. And we have a lost church that's so worried about offending people that are drowning. We have lifeguards that can't swim. And I'm telling you today that we need Christians that say, look, bro, you're drowning. I love you. We'll meet you there. But we got to get you out of the, we got to get you out of that situation. Are you with me today? So there's a connection with God. There's a conversation with God. There's an instruction by God. If you hear his instruction, Jesus said, you're only my friends if you do what I say. If you obey his instruction, you know what happens next? Light bulb comes on. Revelation. Oh my goodness. God is good. And when you have a revelation of God, it'll lead you to worship. Here's a fun little fact. You can tell by some of your revelations of God how close and how real he is to you by how you worship him. Some of you sit there like the cover girl for the book of Lamentations for 30 minutes. Arms folded, upset, angry that we're not singing your song. None of these songs are for you. We didn't sing any of these songs today for you. Every song on our docket is for God. Everything we do to sing is for Him today. So yeah, I sing not because I have a good voice, I sing because I have a great God. He's rescued me, saved me, He's provided for me. And I'll tell you what today, Orange County, Oceans Church, listen to me. God is raising up, I believe, a generation that don't just know Him as the Savior, don't just know him as the God they serve. Don't just know him as the God that's their father. But actually walk with him long enough that Jesus looks at you and he says, no longer do I call you just a servant. You're my friend. You do what I tell you to do, I can trust you. You were faithful with little, I'm gonna give you much. You're my friends. Is there anybody in Orange County that wants to be a friend of God? Stand to your feet today if you wanna be a friend of Jesus. Enoch walked with God and he was no more for he had this testimony that he pleased that he pleased I don't know who you are where you are but I believe that one of the greatest things that maybe you could put on your tombstone one day who remembers the commercial what do you want on your tombstone pepperoni it's an 80's commercial I'm sorry tombstone pizza I, would, I think that one of the great things that we could put on our, our tombstone would be pleased God. Pleased God. There'll be things that God asks you to do that don't please you. It's all right. If they please God, He's pushing into friendship. Remember this, you don't choose your family but you do choose your friends. And you can choose God, you can choose to be a friend of God. The word please, I looked it up for you, it's only found in in the Bible three times, this word that's used it's only used three times and every time it's used it's in hebrews 11 twice and it's in hebrews 13 once you know what it means it's cool definition to please god it means this to gratify entirely do you know what satisfies the desire of god when we come to him and we believe that he can do anything and we invite we invite him to walk with us hey god What do you want me to do vocationally hey god what should i do with my spouse right now god how do i raise my kids up god how do i get a hold of my grandkids when you walk with god listen to me we become friends of god and that satisfies gratifies entirely the heart of our king amen so cool i don't know why i just i'm so excited about this new season i think that god's inviting us into friendship I think maybe the coolest thing that God could tell you one day is would you be my friend? Not just my servant. Servants don't know what the Master's doing. Would you be my friend? I'll tell you everything that the Father has told me. If you're hungry today, you know that you haven't stepped into friendship. I really felt like God told me pastorally, He said, Mark, there's people in your church. There's four types of people in your church. There's those that need to know Jesus as the Savior. You've never given your heart to God. You're like, I believe in God. Well, that's good. The demons do too. What makes you a believer is not belief. It's actually a surrender and it's a turning completely to God. Listen to me. You're still talking like you did before Jesus. You're still doing all the crazy dark stuff that you're doing before Jesus. You need a savior. I don't know if you know this, but people say you're saved. What are you saved from? We have a lot of Christians in California that say they're Christians, but I'm like, what are you saved from? You drink the same. You smoke the same. You sleep the same. You're just as dark. What did God save you from? Well, strong preacher. I'll take some strong preaching. I'm in for it. I want the Holy Spirit to convict me in church. Just like I want my trainer to to make me suffer when I'm getting trained. I'm not getting no six-pack again. My trainer doesn't make me suffer. I'm not saying suffer. Bad word. I'm just saying at the gym, you want a trainer to push you. At church, we need some preachers that are going to push us. Is that all right? I affectionately say it's better to be smacked with truth than kissed with lies. So here's what I want to ask you today. If you need to turn away from your old life and you say, Mark, honestly, I'm still in the darkness. I'm still in the dysfunction. I'm still in my old life and I'm ready to start walking with God. This is a bold altar call today. I like it. I feel some faith in this tent. I am ready to get out of my old life. How do you know you're in it? Because you've never left it. You're the same person you've always been. And you say, Mark, if there's a God that saves from darkness, I want Him. If there's a God that leads us out of dysfunction, I want Him. If there's a God big enough to break addiction, I want Him. That's you today. If you're honest enough to raise your hand, I believe God will be powerful enough to deliver you. If you want to know God as your Savior, saved from whatever you were before. I want you to lift your hand. Let's go, and lift your hand. Close your eyes if you want. That's fine. But I dare you, if you're hungry for God, watch how God will honor your hunger today. I feel courage in these tents. I want God to get me out, start a new journey and walk with God. Thank you. Thank you. There's more. I want to start my journey today. There's more. Yeah, there's more. There's more. I'm ready. God, save me. Today's the beginning of walking with God. I see four hands, four hands, okay, watch. Five hands, six hands, awesome, that's awesome. I'm ready to start the journey. I need a savior. By the way, we all need a savior. And you'll never know God as a friend until you know him as a savior. He said, Mark, that's the first group. The second group is there's people that are saved, but they're not surrendered to me in serving. And you need to take the step today to go past, knowing God as I'm going to heaven. The thief on the cross was going to heaven but he wasn't living for heaven. And you want to be a servant of the Most High God. God, I know you love me, but I want to live by the rest of my life to serve you. I'm halfway in, halfway out. The Bible would define your faith as lukewarm. And you go, I want to go all the way in. I'm not going to be a half-hearted Christian. Please, if you're not helping the cause, you're not helping. I need you to go all in. Orange County is tired of lukewarm Christians. You're making the rest of us look bad. If you're ready to go all the way in, this is the time to go all the way in. Is it alright to be direct like this? I'm tired of telling people on airplanes I'm a pastor, and they judge me because of people that say they're Christians that live like hell. Let's go all the way in. If God's real, go all the way in. If He's fake, go all the way out. But don't do this business of like going to church on Sundays, but living in the club Friday night. You're making us all look bad. Defend everybody yet? Everybody having a good time? Here's my call. It's strong today. You, you're tired of living between two decisions. You're ready to go all the way in. I'm trying to go all the way out or go all the way in? Stop being on the fence. There was six people that raised their hands to get saved. How many say, I need to go all in? I, I've been kind of, I've been half in. Not a bad person. You're human but you need to make a decision to go all the way in today. Just raise your hand. You're gonna break some stuff off your generations and your family. That's me. I'm going all the way in. There's one, there's two, there's three, there's four, real high, real high. I'm going all the way in today. Six, seven, eight, nine, 10. I think you raised your hand in the first one, that's awesome. There's 10, okay, awesome. Third category, friends of God. I've known God as servant, but I wanna discover my identity as God's son and daughter. I need God to redeem. I I feel like I've wasted a season of my life. And in Luke 15, it says that the prodigal son came home. And it says that he put a robe on him, sandals on his feet. I'm going to serve God, but I want to know what my authority is as a son and as a daughter of God. I want to let you know that Kenzie and Chloe, they have a confidence in my house because they know that that's their home because it's their dad and it's their mom's home are confident in our house and some of you aren't confident in church because you don't know that this is your father's house you don't know that you're a son you're a daughter of the Most High God how many did I say Mark I want to know my authority as a child of God would you raise your hand there's many people today I want to know my authority as a child of God raise your hand raise your hand all right awesome awesome up and down awesome awesome last thing last almost done last thing we do today we'll be out of here you say Mark okay I want to graduate, I want to honor all these different aspects of my journey with God. Savior, servant, son, but Lord, mature me that one day I could walk with you in friendship, that you could trust me with your secrets. The secret of the Lord is with those that fear God, honor God. I want to be God's friend. I pray that our whole church would respond to this. If you want to be a friend of God, would you lift your hands today? We're going to pray right now. We're going to start with friends, then we're going to go to, we're going to go to sons and daughters, then we're going to go to servants, and then we're going to pray for those that need to get saved. You ready? All the friends of God, lift your hands and say, Lord, today I ask you to lead me into friendship. I don't want to know you at a distance. I want to walk with you like Enoch, Abraham, Moses. I want to be your friend today I invite you all the way in in Jesus name hands down if you're here today say Mark I want to be before I'm a friend I want to be a servant lift your hands I want to be a servant God I pray today that we would be humble enough to go God life isn't about just serving our own castles it's about building God's kingdom I pray that you would make us your servants in Jesus' name. That's you. Come on, lift your hands up. And say, Lord, today I invite you to make me a great servant in Jesus' name. And here's the last two things we're going to do today. I feel this strong as we close. I believe there's something that's going to happen at these altars. God's going to heal. He's going to deliver. He's going to restore. If you've been half in, half out, or you've never given God your whole heart, those are the two big things. But there's also one other category, if you need a healing in your body. God told me there's someone who has a gastro It's like a, I saw the word in prayer and it means there's a, a problem with your stomach. You have a hard time digesting food. It's incurable, but God says he's gonna cure it today. Some of the issue with your stomach, he's gonna heal you today. If you need a miracle, if you need a healing in your body, would you lift your hands? I need a touch from God, would you lift your hands today? Touch from God, healing in your body, awesome. Okay. You raise your hand or, okay, two categories, or you're going all in today. You're putting your faith in God for the first time today. All three categories. It's not just salvation. This is, I need a healing in my body. God says there would be power present to heal the last three minutes of the service. I'll have you out of here in three minutes. If that's you, if you want to give your life to God, go all the way in or, you need a healing in your body just come out of your seats come to the front we're going to sing one song God's going to heal God's going to save God's going to deliver if you need a miracle come forward if you want to give your heart to God come forward if you're ready to go all the way in, come forward come on Oceans give him a good hand clap Oceans give him a good hand clap today God's moving God's moving come on come in tight come in tight come in tight he's moving he's moving he's moving he's moving come all the way and there's more there's more i need a touch from god i need a touch from god come in there's miracle power power to save power to heal power to save. power to heals here awesome awesome as they come forward can i get some leaders i need all of the church to raise their hands we're going to sing one song we're going to pray
1: and we'll dismiss stay with us
0: front today. Come on, just close your eyes. Put your arms out like you're going to receive a gift because I believe you are. God was so clear last night. He said, my power will be there, Mark, to heal and to save. It's all the same to God. He's powerful. And you're here today and you need that power to heal and to save. If If you need healing in your body, just lift your hands right now. God's going to heal some of you before he actually saves some of you. Hands up all over. That's you. In the, all over. You need healing in your body. If someone has a hand up near you, would you put your hand on their shoulder? Find somebody. Put your hand on their shoulder. Just find somebody. Put a hand. Get some leaders up here in the front. It would be awesome. Hands up. Hands up. All over. All over. Oceans, you know the trio. Let's pray today. Come on. Say, in Jesus' name. Come on, Oceans Church. Say, in Jesus' name. We ask you, we believe, you are the healer. Every disease, every disorder, every darkness must go now in Jesus Christ's name. Top of their head, soles of their feet. Spirit of God, we speak life. We speak life in Jesus' name. We bind the spirit of infirmity, and we release the spirit of the living God. Holy Spirit, heal, deliver, save in Jesus' name. Come on, give him a 10-second hand clap real quick. Yeah, bring that a down Yeah, yeah. Bring that a little bit. He's here. He's here. He's here. He's here. Now Watch healing I see someone like some soul, someone has like lymphoma like early stages lymphoma you've had melanoma over and over and over again God's healing your skin today I think you're 65 years old I think you're a male God is healing you right now of melanoma I pray in Jesus mighty name from the back to the front there's someone you have an issue with your hip flexor, you can't really exercise or move like you used to, God is healing you right now. There's someone in here you have like a, a, some sort of issue with your shoulder joint, God is healing your shoulder right now. There's someone that's been trying to get pregnant for 17 years. God says, this is the day that I open up the barren womb. By this time next year, you'll be dedicating your child to this house in Jesus' name he is the god of the impossible so we ask you lord to heal deliver to save if you're giving your life to god for the first time or you're rededicating your life to god and you're going all in just do me a favor lift your hands one more time this morning lift your hands i'm going all in today i'm going all in today i see three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven i see eleven hands twelve hands anybody else in the back thirteen i see in the back back that's awesome 14, 15, anybody else? I'm going all in. 16, anybody else? 17, 18. I see 19 hands. I see 19 hands. 20 hands. Hey, Oceans, let's pray. If you're online right now, just write heart, H-E-A-R-T. If you're on Facebook, you're on YouTube, write heart. We're going to give our lives to God here now, today. This is the beginning of walking with God. I want all of the room to pray with those Those people that raise their hands today say, Jesus, I invite you to be the leader, Savior, Lord, Master, Father, Friend of my life. Would you forgive me? Would you heal me? And would you deliver me from all darkness? I turn from what's evil what's wicked, and I turn to you. Let your light, your love, your faith, and your hope move into me as your Holy Spirit fills my life. This day forward, I ask you to walk with me and that I would walk with you. I want to be your friend in Jesus' name. God's people, said, Come on, would you give God a good hand, a worthy hand clap today? So many friends of God, so many child, so many children of God. He's bringing them in. He's bringing them in. So exciting. Telling you, I felt so burdened this last two weeks for the series that God was raising up a a remnant of not just sons and servants, but sons and servants that become friends. Like Abraham, like Moses, you would deliver people out of different parts of society. Anthony and Jen, I see you guys delivering an entire population of people, marketplace ministers. God's gonna raise you up. You're gonna lead many out of bondage and into the promised land with the sir. I see Doug and Lydia, God is raising you up. You're gonna raise a generation out of bondage and you're gonna lead them out of that tyranny. God's gonna use you as a modern day sign and wonder. In Jesus' name, see it, see it. Mark and Lauren, I, I see God giving you language to a generation that's mute. Giving you pictures to a generation that can't imagine. God's gonna give you a beautiful tapestry. It's gonna be a mosaic tapestry. You're gonna build something beautiful in Tennessee. It's gonna to touch the four corners of the earth. It's gonna be a creative church. It's gonna be a musical church. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a, a, a designer church. And there's gonna be things that God does in that place that'll get blueprints to take territory that, that the church hasn't taken before. God's going to use you. He's going to give you dreams and visions, confirmations, and, and He's going to clarify it over and over again. And He's going to give you these signs and these wonders. There's like a really high-powered attorney in Tennessee that his whole family's going to get saved. You're going to disciple him, and his, his children are going to be raised in the church, and He's going to show you how to take ground in Tennessee. He's going to be a modern-day Lydia, He's gonna actually give you the keys to Tennessee. God's gonna raise up many noblemen like like this guy that are gonna give you like literally the the, the audience and the ears of Nashville. Raise them up. I pray for an oceans type of church in Nashville, Tennessee. Do something awesome, Lord. They would not believe even if it were told to them in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I know we're lingering for a second, Someone here, you're getting ready to start a business. You either just started it the last couple weeks, or you're going to launch it this week. I just feel like God says I want to give you crazy favor. Lift your hands if that. If you just started a business, or you're getting ready to launch it, lift your hands. I just feel like God says I'm getting ready to open up creativity. There's ingenuity. There's this like blueprint God's going to give you to build a kingdom honoring, Jesus centric, but like literally, really, really. Off the charts create a business. I pray for modern day Josephs that they would be dreamers and master, lift your hands, that's you, master dreamers. God's gonna give you the keys to the storehouses of Egypt. I pray right now, come on, lift your hands. If you're an entrepreneur, lift your hands right now. If you're a business leader, lift your hands right now. I believe even the next 40 days, there's gonna be like businesses that are birthed. There's gonna be mergers and acquisitions. There's gonna be like clients that you never thought you could land. And God says it is the wealth of the wicked that I've laid up for my righteous. And there's gonna be a transfer of wealth I even see it in Orange County, that there's gonna be deals that have never been done that are gonna be done for God's sons, God's daughters, cause you're friends of God. I pray, Holy Spirit, crazy, crazy favor in the marketplace. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Yeah, there's someone that you thought you were going to go bankrupt. And God this week is going to open up like this river. I have a picture of like the Kern River right now. It's flowing at like flood, flood levels. And I believe that God, as you give him your heart, He's gonna give you ideas that unlock the flow of like like these beautiful business ideas. It's really special. I met with my friend this week, Jimmy, and Jimmy has this grace on his life for like these these really radical, creative ideas. And I believe that our church is gonna be full of these master dreamers, these master dream interpreters Come on, give God a hand clap you really believe it. God told me before I moved here that there would be billionaires that would come out of our church and they would change the landscape of the world. And they would be like modern day Josephs, that they would have the keys to the storehouses of Egypt. And I believe that if, if God says, if you'll let me, if you'll make me your Lord, And if you'll be humble enough to be my servant, and you'll let me love you as a son and daughter, I'll raise you up to friendship. You know, we live in a world that has dreams like the butler and the baker, but they have no flippin' idea what they mean. And there is a generation of, of sons and daughters of God that will know how to interpret the dreams of men and women that do not know God. And in that place, of interpreting the world's broken dreams. God's going to give you promotion. He's going to give you the audience of Pharaoh. He's going to give you the ears of the kings. And God's going to give you the keys to the influence and the affluence of Babylon. And I believe we're going to see it in our, our lifetime. So Father, I pray right now. How many want to be a trustworthy friend? Lift your hands. I believe if God could trust you with $100, He could trust you with $1,000. If He can trust you with 10,000, He can trust you with 100,000. Some of you have never seen millions because you've never been trustworthy with thousands. And I just feel I feel an invitation to go, God, whatever you give me, whether it's money, whether it's power, whether it's influence, I'm going to steward it. Do you know the number one requirement of, of servant, uh, uh, number one requirement of stewardship? One word. It's to be faithful. How many say, I want to be faithful with whatever God trusts me with? If you'll be faithful, God will give you more. Phil is so strong today. How many want to be faithful with what God's given you? Would you lift your hands, Ocean? Oh, I don't know why, I'm lingering, but I just feel God is, he's raising up friends. Friends that he can entrust his power to. Friends that he can actually say, I want to co-lead with you. I want you to lead with me. So I want you to lift your hands real high. I'm going to pray a prayer right now all over these tents. Actually, grab your neighbor's hand. I feel like our church is full of these master dreamers. Grab someone's hand. Grab their hand. I believe this week someone this week is going to get like a seven-figure deal. It's going to land in your lap and God is going to get all the glory for it. There's someone in here that you and a business partner betray you You've had like two decades of like hostility and this week there's a lawsuit that's going to be settled and this week there's going to be a a relationship that's going to begin to be restored. Jesus' name. So with your hand on your neighbor right now, just pray this prayer over him. Say, Lord, I ask you to bless them, enlarge their territory, and cause your face, your favor to shine upon them. Give them dreams, give them visions, and also give them the ability, give them the gift to interpret the lost world, their dreams. The butlers, the bakers, give them the understanding to interpret dreams and visions. Raise up the Josephs, the Daniels, The Shadrachs, the Meshachs, and the Abednegoes. Raise them up from this house to the nations of the earth. Jesus' name. If you believe God will do it, come on, give him a 10 second hand clap.